After a five-year stint at BuzzFeed beginning in 2010 when there were just 15 employees and a brief run as the CEO of DailyMail.com, the last thing you would probably think to do is start a TV network from scratch. Yet that's precisely what John Steinberg did. The former president and COO of BuzzFeed launched Cheddar Inc. in 2016, a new media company with the initial goal of becoming the CNBC for millennials. Two and a half years in, Cheddar is a bona fide media concern, a live and on-demand video news network that broadcasts weekdays from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ market site, and the Flatiron Building in New York alone, and has raised $54 million in funding. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of Ad Age, also a bona fide media concern, and you are listening to AdLib. Steinberg joins me today to discuss the origins and evolution of Cheddar, which has expanded beyond its financial roots into lifestyle and political news. I myself have been on Cheddar twice to chat about Super Bowl advertising and Sir Martin Sorrell. Today, however, the tables are turned. We discuss Cheddar business models, so-called skinny bundles, the future of over-the-top streaming video, and where he goes from here. John Steinberg, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Lovely to have you on AdLib. You know, I've been on uh, I've been on Cheddar a couple of occasions. Yes, um, and I've made this joke. I yeah, made you want to start right? Yeah, with let's, let's, we'll let's start with it. a joke. Let's do it. Go, go for it. <laughs> um, I'm, I've been on uh, I've been on Cheddar. I know I have. We have a bunch of reporters here who have been on Cheddar. Janine Poggi, uh, in particular, have been on a couple times. Uh, as a journalist, I think I know more people who've been on Cheddar than watch Cheddar. What do you? Well, first of all, I kind of I, wanna... I, I I like the dig, and and first of all, <laughs> you you made you told my friend Maria Bartiromo, and Maria has been unbelievably supportive, and she has been a great friend in this, um, and I, and it was very kind of her to say those kind words. Look, I, I like the dig, and I'll tell you why. When I started this company, I thought people would say the cheddar content is not good. Uh, the technology is not good. They can't get distributed anywhere. They can't make money. If the worst thing people can say about me, my, my little two-year-old company is that we're smaller than CNBC, we're small, nobody watches us, you know, then that, that's pretty good, I think. I mean, that's a bit like, you know, my daughter does gymnastics, right? It's like saying like, well, she's not as good as Simone Biles, right? Like, <laughs> first of all, it's not true. It's not true. I mean, you know, we- She is as good as Simone Biles? Yeah, we, you know, look, we have- hundreds of thousands of live views a day as measured six ways to Sunday. We can go through it. I use cogent measurement the same. We, you know, we're on the Roku channel. We're the second most watched news source on the Roku channel installed on every Roku. We're in every skinny bundle, uh, almost every skinny bundle in the United States. Of those skinny bundles, in a given month, 7 to 10% of people that are subscribers to those bundles across the board watch the content. And that's not even getting into the Facebook views, which I don't. I, I generally don't want to get into how many views I have because the month you brag about your Facebook views is the month that they, they go down. They but look, algorithm, we, right? you know, we, do, we do 400, 500 million Facebook views a month. So this narrative, it's a little bit ridiculous, but it's better than saying – our content's not good. Yeah. Well, I haven't said that because I've been on it and I've provided some great content. And the other thing too is all the guests. So, you know, we had Omarosa on this week. Uh, we had Cynthia Nixon on yesterday. We had Neil Patrick Harris on today. You know, these these people come on because um, they get seen and we're really good at distributing the clips too. You know, our legacy competitors lock these clips up in like crappy web players that are pre-rolled and no one get access to. We blast thing, these things out right. on Facebook and Twitter and Flipboard and Apple News and all this stuff. And, you know, either these celebrities and executives are stupid for coming on and wasting their time or, or their stuff's getting seen. All right. So let's walk it back. Two years. Uh, you've been, it's a two and a, two and a half year old business at this point, business news startup. You yeah. broadcast currently from the floor of the stock exchange, NASDAQ, 
and the flat and the Flatiron Building. And then LA, we've got a whole studio that we use all the time. Okay. Um, and then the White House, full White House access every day. Okay. And in that time, you've you've raised something like fifty four million in venture funding. That's right. Um, what made you think this was a space going into worth going into initially? You you are uh, your yeah. background is you were uh, BuzzFeed president, yes. COO, BuzzFeed president and chief operating chief officer. Yeah, 2010, yeah. 2000, 2014. So why leave BuzzFeed to start a cable news company that you, as far as you knew, no one wanted? I did a lot of CNBC while I was doing BuzzFeed. And I did it for two reasons. I always loved CNBC. Like that's what I watched growing up when I was a kid. I was obsessed with like Faber and Kernan and Squawk Box. And um, I found that it was really good for our advertising business because basically every CEO or CMO, I could just sort of like pick them off as they were coming off of the, you know, the broadcast that I was on, right? Mm -hmm. And then one day I learned, as you actually pointed out in your interview with Maria Bartiromo, that these audiences are really small. You know, CNBC's uh, average minute audience, according to Nielsen, is like it peaks during the daytime at 150,000 people. And only about 30 or 40,000 of those people are below the age of 54. And CNBC does, it's been reported, something like a billion dollars a year in revenue. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, well, that's a business I want to be in. I want to be in a business where you make a billion dollars a year and you only need to pull together 30 to 40,000 people that are not living in Florida, right? And I also love the topic area. And I was like, let's do a younger version of it. And it's not the food category. It's not the fashion category. It's a category where there's not a lot of competition and you don't need a giant audience because it's so endemic. It, it is like your audience for Ad Age. Right. So, at, but at what point does business news become commoditized and how do you stand out? I mean, anyone has, with the 24 hour news cycle, anyone yeah. has access to everything on their phone. Um, how do you go in there and, and stand out? I think that there is almost no competition in live linear news networks, which is what we do. We have the business one, we have the headline one. Technically, it's unbelievably complicated. Logistically, we're doing 30 to 50 guests a day. It's a lot of content to fill, and you can't blow up your cost structure in doing it, right? So we have virtually no new competition in the past two years. People do an hour a day of live video, a couple interviews. You know, when we get our deals on Sling and Hulu and YouTube TV, the people we do the deals with immediately get calls from all the usual suspects saying, well, Cheddar got a network. We want a network. And they say, well, how many hours a day live are you doing? And the people say, well, we do like five two-minute videos a day. Right. And that's that's laughable. That's you're, not a network. You're live eight hours a day? Two networks that are live eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is pre-recorded. And then we are, we are, we've begun to license some content for the overnight. We're going to expand the programming. And then now we're launching this eSports news coverage, which mm -hmm. will go in the evenings as well too. Daytime is a less competed, less attractive area. I like to go away from competition. If I, if I start doing something at night, I'm competing with Netflix and Hulu and the like. Mm -hmm. During the day, it's a smaller pond, but there's no competition. Where are they watching it mostly? You know, they're, they're watching... Um, is, this, is, this, is this the new Board at Work network? No, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that we get a lot of viewership on connected television. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'll walk into offices and you'll see Roku's playing. People at home who work at home use it there as well, too. The desktop viewership is obviously very strong as well because we've got people that work. And by and large, people are not watching the linear networks on their phone. That's not... People watch our clips on their phone, but they right. don't do that, right? So, again... I want to win on Roku. I want to win on Apple TV. I want to win on Fire mm -hmm. because, again, there's almost no competition right. there. So you're down with OTT. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> what uh, – talk about that. You, you're very bullish on the over-the-top space. I'm not it, – it's not so much that I'm bullish. It's that it's a good um, asymmetric bet. And what I mean by that is if any of these OTT packages win, Sling, Hulu, YouTube TV, Philo, Fubo, DirecTV Now, if any of them win mm – -hmm. 
I've got real estate in them next to CNN, next to CNBC, in base bundle in all cases. And if people adopt these packages, we're going to win because our program is much younger and it's much more attuned to a whole new generation of people that are going to consume this kind of content. Who's your favorite so far? You know, I don't like to choose my favorites because these are all my important parts. Look, you know, I, I won't equivocate with you. I'll, I'll give you most stuff, but I don't want to tell you, you know, I don't want to favor Sling versus YouTube TV or YouTube TV versus Sling. I want them all to be successful because I bet the whole company that they all succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not just business news anymore. That's the way you started yeah, out. Now yeah. you're, you're expanded into political and lifestyle news, which is also pretty commoditized, but that's with... You keep saying news. commoditized. It, that's completely yeah. inaccurate. I mean, right. there, Tell there, me why. Okay, there, there's is not people that are doing, there's not tons of people doing live ambient daytime news programming, okay? So live is the difference. Li- well, also, no one wants to watch old news. No one says like, oh, I can't wait to watch Wolf Blitzer at six o'clock tonight. They say, I'm going to put on CNN to see what's happening. I'm going to put on CNBC to see what's happening. Our competition is CNBC, MSNBC, Fox, Fox Business, Bloomberg, and CNN. That's basically, Mm -hmm. that's basically it. And we're the only new entrant into that in forever. And now I have a headline news network and I have a business news network and soon we have a sports network. The sports network is exclusively esports. Right. But our competition is basically New Fox. That that's our peer. It's a huge opportunity, esports. Um, so beyond these these over the top platforms that 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 are yeah. are serving you so well and vice versa, you're also uh, you've got any actual you've got some actual TV news. Also, you've, you're you're up on Wow. Yes. Now, what yes. is Wow? Wow is one of the largest of the smallest cable companies. They have like eight hundred thousand subs, as opposed to like. You know, Comcast, which has, you know, 20 million subs. We actually are also on the Comcast X1 box. Brian Roberts today at the Goldman Sachs conference said, we don't care what video you watch as long as you watch it on the X1 box. 60% of people that are Comcast video customers now have that X1 box. You say cheddar into that voice remote. And most people who have that voice remote, 70, 80% of them, that's how they navigate. You get our live stream as well, too. So going back to the beginning of the conversation when you were talking about cobbling together these metrics through yes. various sources, what what does your audience look like to the best of your ability? To it, it is it is a little bit older than I think people think it is. It's late 20s and 30s. It's gender balanced. It's very, very affluent. Like The household net worth is in excess of $100,000 in a lot of cases. Um, it's coastal. It's major cities. It's professionals that are interested in business news. Now, the, the headline network has been allowed, the, the business news network, the one that's been around the longest has, we've got far more data on that. We've got like nearly two years of data on that. The headline news network, we only have about, you know, a few months, but that's the composition. It's, it's, it's CNBC for millennials is a tagline that got put with us in the beginning that I kind of felt privileged Mm -hmm. to be given. And um, it it sort of sticks. Mm -hmm. It works. That effectively is what the audience is. And you've also picked up MTVU in July. Yes. What is that all about? We bought from Viacom their campus cable system, effectively, which is 1,600 TVs in 600 campuses, dining rooms, student unions, gyms. Mm. We changed that programming from MTVU, from music videos to Cheddar content, August 1st, uh, and we'll continue to build out that network. It's currently satellite delivered. We now own satellite capacity. We have dishes at all these schools. We're going to migrate it to IP and then double the size of it over 24 months. Right. So you've got the you've got the colleges. You've got you've got the airports. Yeah. And and now this is my favorite, which you just told me. You were on the Digiday podcast, my former yeah. employer. I've yeah. got nothing but love. Uh, and the editor Brian Morrissey joked that you should be at gas stations. And now I walked out of there and I emailed <laughs> our head of distribution, Daniel Schneider. I said, Why don't we do gas stations yet? <laughs> 
That's and you know, but to your to your point again, you know, let's go back to the like. These are all captive audiences. Well, they're right? not, you know. It, it's a different kind of programming that works in all these locations. So, you know, how big is Cheddar? I can keep getting distribution. There's an endless amount of old programming put in all these locations that's basically news and sort of a river of content, right? I, we just keep finding more places to put our content. And in some cases, it's Nielsen rated. So MTVU is rated by Nielsen the same way the CNN Airport Network is. The CNN Airport Network is unbelievably attractive to advertisers. CNN spends an enormous amount of money pays airports for that distribution. We don't pay the schools for the distribution. We have a larger 18 to 34-year-old audience than the CNN Airport Network does, as you would expect because it's airports versus colleges. We have a 39,000 average minute audience as measured by Nielsen. That's a big number. Now, the funny thing is a lot of people hear that number and they say, wow, that's small. You find me another 39,000 concurrent average minute viewership of a news network, you know, I'll, I'll buy you a Subway sandwich. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. That's. Uh, I actually should have said sorry, a Dunkin' Donuts because gonna... Dunkin's my advertiser. I've never actually worked <laughs> with Subway. I was thinking right. of like a you, prize. You, you know? mentioned advertisers. You're all ad supported, right? Yeah, yeah, for now. That's the model? Well, it's funny. You know, what I often say is people pay for our content. We just don't get any of the money. Right. And we only provide the full feed on an authenticated basis so that it's a value to Sling and Hulu and YouTube TV. We only make three hours a day available for free and we make the clips available for free. And to get in these pristine locations, I thought going into it, if um, you know the major news networks are getting 20 cents a sub or a dollar a sub or whatever, we'll get a nickel or a dime or a quarter. I was wrong, we'll get nothing. That's what we get, right? But I get 100% of the branded content revenue um, which is all the integrations. And almost all those clients have renewed with us over the past three years. And almost all of those engagements are seven-figure deals. Um, and we get 50% of the standard commercial inventory. So it's been a good advertising business, but you know, I mean, you know, advertising is advertising. It's kind of a big hassle. So what, what are the other options? Where, what are you looking at? We got this from 11 million last year and we'll get it close to 30 million in revenue this year, right? And the business doesn't lose much money. And if it's, we, be, it's low overhead, I would imagine. Well, I mean, you know, low is a relative term, right? We have 160 employees. That's unbelievably lean to do what we do, but it's a lot of heads. And these are all professionals. These are video editors and control room people. And it's it's not, you know, it's not $20,000 a year kids. We, we don't have that in this thing. You know, these are all people that could go work at cable networks if they weren't working for us. If I have to hoof this thing from, you know, 30 to 60 to 120, you know, I've done that. I'll do that again. My preference is that the world breaks in our favor a little bit. And as the cable companies exit video, as we know that they are, and, you know, prioritize broadband, maybe they say, hey, John, we want all the ad inventory. We want to offer this to all of our subs. We want to cut you a check. That would mean that we have a much bigger business and a much more lucrative business. That's if fate breaks in our favor a little bit. If it doesn't, we just hoof it in ads. Mm -hmm. So you feel good no matter what. I mean, I never feel that good. You know, I mean, you know, look, the reality of it is, the, you know, I, I, I want to be very candid with you yeah. because, you know, people only believe the good things about your business if you tell yeah. them the bad things about your business. There are three pillars that make the business hum. The quality of the content, the distribution, and the revenue. In any given day, one of those things I'm not feeling so good about and one of those things I'm feeling, you know, elation about. What are you not feeling good about right now? You know, it's funny. August is a tough month in advertising. And from... Thanksgiving to January 15th, there is no business done. Mm -hmm. Every year, you know, people who are new at this stuff or refuse to learn the lesson are surprised by that. Yeah, it's a tough quarter. But the agencies 
you know, they're all checked out between Thanksgiving and the new year, and then they come back and there's crises. And I said to the team, as I said last year, we got to start worrying about 2019 now. We got to sign our big upfront deals, and we do deals that are six to 12 months. We, we are not in the 50 to 100 grand IO business. We don't, we don't work with anyone for less than $150,000 a month, three-month minimum. Most of our deals are six to 12 months, and we offer all sorts of types of exclusivity and categories to do those things and all sorts of bells and whistles. We got to start doing this. We got a lot signed up for next year. We go into next year with, I think we're already at like 11 million already contracted, large portions of it non-cancelable for 19. I feel good about you know that now. Um, there's a couple distribution deals that were supposed to go live um, in you know November, and now some of them are saying, well, we'll get it done in December. Now I start thinking, oh, well, does December become January? It's like, yeah, it's not gonna happen this quarter. Yeah. Uh, you, you came over from BuzzFeed where you helped them build out the branded content offerings. Is that something that you do a lot of? Oh my God, and I, I spend more time on ad sales than um, I think any of my CEO peers. And right. I have Melissa Rosenthal, who was, you know, my partner. Uh, she actually started out as my intern at BuzzFeed mm -hmm. and then became head of creative services and then got promoted and promoted and promoted. She built that, that branded content thing mm -hmm. with me over there. And she now is the senior most person on our business team here. So there's a lot of people that were involved in it. But yeah, I spend 30 to 40% of my time every day on clients and ads. Mm -hmm. Branded stuff, build, creating, Branded. creating. I mean, I, you know, content. Yeah, I brands. like to get involved in the creative stuff. I am involved in the mm -hmm. creative stuff, but I'm, I'm usually the person dealing with the problems. There's always a problem. There's mm -hmm. always, um, you well, know. What are the client's biggest pain points? The the, the biggest pain points are that um, there are so many people involved in an engagement like this. There's the agency which measured it wrong, right? And they always measure it wrong. Um, there is the Miller-Brown survey, which didn't work right, and we told them it wasn't gonna work right, and of course it didn't work right, mm -hmm. right? And that's what I'm dealing with. There are new people that were brought into a deal at the 11th hour, and it's a different team with a different business unit, and suddenly they didn't know the budget was going for this, right? Mm -hmm. And we've managed to have CMO-level relationships, not because like I think, it, I think I'm cool for having CMO-level relationships, but because if we don't, these things can get really gummed up really quickly. Mm -hmm. And what what did what was it about that you learned at BuzzFeed that you're applying to to this gig? Yeah, that there's no point in doing small deals. I mean, I learned I learned so many things at BuzzFeed, but the biggest one is that there's no point in doing fifty thousand dollar, hundred thousand dollar deals. That Why? because the amount of work for those deals is as much as the amount of work for a five hundred thousand to million dollar deal. The fifty thousand deals are just as hard to sell. And ultimately, um, you're better off. I mean, you're you're better off having the 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 scalability challenges with large deals than the scalability challenges with small deals. Mm -hmm. So think big. Well, you know, it, I'll be even more candid with you. A lot of times, I get on the phone with an advertiser, and they're trying to figure out like, where's the weakness? What's wrong with Cheddar? What doesn't work? Right? You know, they'll they'll ask the kind of things that you ask. Well, does nobody watch Cheddar? Right? Mm -hmm. Does the advertising work? Are you really on Sling? Are you really on Hulu? And I'll say to them, here's the problem. You want to know what the problem my business is? Is that this works great now? I can we can do this level of high touch. We can do sponsor segments, sponsored shows. It worked for 11 million. It works for 30 million. It works for 60 million. I'm pretty sure it works for 120 million. It doesn't work for a billion dollars in revenue. Does, it doesn't work. It's not that scalable. Now, that's actually a benefit to you because it's so high touch, we can't do this for 100 people, right? But that means that three, four years out, we got to figure out something different mm -hmm. or augmenting this. This is not a solution which can be the totality of our business. This can only be the head of our business. Get the, are you going to get into the events business at all? 
No, you know, I don't, I, I, I think that's equally unscalable. Um, and uh, I think there was an events bubble for a minute there. I like the events. You know, I, I think that the, the clients like the events, the social media throw off from it, all the Instagrams, all of that are really good. I think they make sense as part of packages. I won't say that we won't do one. People ask for one all the time, a ChedCon. <laughs> um, you know, I'd like to do something in that space, but I don't think that solves, um, you know, our existential challenges. Mm -hmm. What is the one challenge that really keeps you up, or at least is keeping you up right now? Well, that, that you know, we've, we were in a world where discovery was not big enough and had to merge with scripts. Time Warner was not big enough and had to be bought by AT&T. Um, and you kind of go on and on, right? Are you, are you gonna get bought? You know, I, I think the answer is less linear than that. Now, now the answer that, again, a person would typically say to you is, I wanna build a big independent company and I wanna take it public, or I wanna be a big independent company. The only problem with that is there is no such thing as a big independent media company. It's like a unicorn or a wizard. Like I would love to have these things, but they don't exist. You're owned by cranes, right? Mm -hmm. What that means is that we need to do a transaction at some point. That means that an asset gets cleaved off and we merge with that asset. We do an all stock deal. When something gets kind of reconstituted, we form a larger entity with other people. Now that's not a weakness of our business. That's a, you know, we can get this to be a business that's worth, you know, our last round we were 160 million posts, right? Mm -hmm. Organically, can we get this to be a 500, 700 million, 700 million, a billion dollar business? Yeah, we, we probably can if we just hoof it out. But this is a business of deal makers and inorganic growth as well too. And we need to figure out where our moment is and who we get stronger with, especially when we're, you know, an ever larger gopher in a world of, of T-Rexes. Yeah, talk about the world of T-Rexes. What, what, when you look across the TV landscape and, the, and the, even the, the, the streaming landscape today compared to two years ago, yes. what are you seeing? I see two things that are the most interesting to me. One is what I call the balkanization of distribution and content, which is Comcast has their bet with NBCU, AT&T has their bet with Time Warner, right? Mm -hmm. AT&T owns CNN. Like they're gonna do special things with CNN. Comcast owns CNBC and MSNBC. They're gonna do special things with them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that means that, you know, we're on our own to some extent. Now we have these people as investors, but we're not that, we're, we're barely calling us a, a pimple would be an exaggeration <laughs> of our importance to them, right? <laughs> so that's the first force. In that environment, it means how do we bob and weave? We can still do distribution with them. Are there people like T-Mobile Sprint that have no content bets that maybe need to do something more ambitious? In fact, are there even more interesting opportunities like Roku? Roku is the third largest cable company in the United States. I read that article. Some, that's someone else's headline, not mine, okay? They have 20 million monthly active accounts. We went and, a deal and, we went and did a deal and we're on the Roku channel. We didn't pay for it. They don't pay us, we have, we have an ad split type deal. We don't pay for distribution, by the way. Um, that's an interesting one. If you go to the Apple TV app, which is an app which is on the Apple TV and also on the devices, we're one of six news partners that are in there as well. It means that we need to be very realistic about the environment that we live in and exist in, and we need to look for where are their friends um, they need friends. Mm -hmm. What are the what's the content that you're finding is resonating most with your audience? Well, it's interesting because you know Facebook can can lead you down um, a confusing path, right? Um, you cannot program for Facebook, and 
we, we do. I mean, actually, that's, I a, uh, you, yeah. uh, that's the wrong answer. Yeah. We do program for Facebook. Our gadget videos do unbelievably well on Facebook. Is that branded content? Or, no, or? That, those are not. In fact, I wish we could monetize it. But the problem is the stuff that gets the monetization, the stuff that gets the viewership is not the stuff that's long enough to get the... Um, the the mid roll tail is all the time, <laughs> right? But you know, yeah. but I never, I never thought they were going to do anything for me. And when I read those comments that Campbell Brown made in Australia, like I always thought that, or I've been thinking that I, I thought that for years, mm-hmm. right? So we do it there because it's good marketing for us, it's good branding for us, it's it's cost efficient. Um, there's no money there, and if we program exclusively for them, they're they're just going to change it, right? So in some way, and we get very limited measurement from the skinny bundles. Um, because it's a bit like Netflix. They don't want us to know right. how well or good Se- or bad we're doing, right? Well, the secret garden, yeah. So in some ways, we got to kind of program the way we want to program and hope that the audience is big enough. Mm-hmm. That's uh, in some ways uh, admirable, noble, I suppose. I think it's more um, realistic again, which is yeah. our last valuation was $160 million, right. right? We'll do $30 million in revenue this year. And the question is, is, is our stock overpriced or underpriced, right? People get too, you know, caught up in like, is company X a gajillion or a zero, right? Instead, you just can never get in over your skis in terms of the capital you raise, the value of the company for the audience and the revenue and the margins that you have. And I feel really good about where we are yeah. now. You've raised 54, you're still sitting on 30 something? We're sitting on, I looked at it, I think we're sitting on 37 million in cash and 3.7 million in accounts receivable. These agencies like can't bear to pay their bills, but they pay them 100% of the time. We've never had a bad collection. Now, they need to be reminded like seven times they actually owe money. Um, but, so, so do I. Yeah, but you know, um, so we're, we're in a good capital position. You know, another, another myth about this business, I had a reporter once say to me, um, you know what they say about cheddar, John? I'm like, no, tell me what they say about cheddar. I'm like, that we're small? No, they say that you learn, you lose a ton of money. I'm like, oh my God. That's one of the things that's actually completely not true about our business. The total capex of all the studios, all the control rooms, everything, $4 million on an underappreciated basis. Last month, we were almost EBITDA um, positive, right? So the business doesn't lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a good place to be. Yeah. Uh, are you, do you pay attention to what, what's going on at BuzzFeed these days? No. No. I mean, I read the articles. <laughs> I, 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 no, you, look, it was, it was the best chapter of my life. I mean, Until you know. this one, for sure. I mean, so, but no, I, you know, I, 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 I like to look forward. Yeah. What was the, was the timing right, do you feel? Or would you have done this earlier? Or do you feel like you should have waited? To start this company? Yep. I think the timing was right. I'll tell you why the timing really was right. And it, it is, you know, it is lucky. And, you know, it's a lot of luck. When we started this company... We were desperate to be on Sling. I followed Charlie Ergen actually into a bathroom at a conference to ask him to put me on Sling. And he actually, and I have still the email where I followed up afterwards and he introduced me to Roger Lynch and that happened. It was the only platform that existed. Hulu did not have live. YouTube TV did not exist. There was no DirecTV now. There was no Philo. There was no Fubo. There was no, maybe Sony PlayStation View had started, although I'm not sure. In the two and a half years since we started, there went from being one OTT television system to eight Mm -hmm. and we got on all of them so we could have ended up producing content with nowhere for it to go and when facebook turned off live or that's you know only a modest overstatement when they turned off all the oxygen to live Mm -hmm. had it not been for these other systems you know we would have really been up a creek right do you pay attention to uh you had mentioned earlier bloomberg uh what they're doing with tiktok and twitter uh is that a competitor 
Yeah, I mean, look, everybody's a competitor and nobody's a competitor. I, I would like to do deals with everybody, you know? I mean, I think a big challenge with, I would like to do a deal with Bloomberg. I mean, you know, you talk about like, I would love to merge Cheddar with Bloomberg's media operations. I would do that in a minute. I'm sure. And, you know, uh, that would be a great, so to your point, do I want to sell the company? No, I don't want to sell the company, but, you know, would I want to merge with something like that? If, if Mayor Bloomberg woke up tomorrow morning and said, you know what, I want to put all my media operations to a separate company, and I want Justin Smith and John Steinberg to run it, and I want to put it all together, right? <laughs> do you know Justin? I like Justin a lot. Yeah, he's a good guy. I think that sounds, I think that sounds spectacular. Mm. Wouldn't you do that deal? Sure. Right? Yeah, let's call Justin. I, you know, don't think I haven't pitched it, you know, and don't, and don't think, I don't think he's going to hear this, you know? Uh, all right. Anything else on your mind? Um, local news I'm obsessed with as well, too, which yeah, is that- it's tough to, tough to make work. Well, local news in every single market outperforms all the cable news at that moment in time. So the 630 news at Pick Your Market. For sure. But then you need to cobble together some sort of scale to make it make sense as a business. Right. Although I think that like, you know, when Sinclair was trying to do the Tribune merger, mm -hmm. you know, we, we already do this local news thing where we do the business news updates for PIX11, which is one of the largest stations in New York, a bunch of tech in the stations. Um, you know, I was like, wow, I would love to, I would love to merge with PIX11. So like mm -hmm. when all, when all these local station groups merge now, right? What if there's an overlap and there's four stations that need to be jettisoned? We could take those. We'd have one foot in the old world, collecting the retrans revenue, programming that local news to all the old people. And then we could use that reporting capacity to try to create the over-the-top version on all of our sling um, distribution. We could put in local hits from the markets where we were in. So I think there's something there. And there's really nobody in that business, right? I mean, you look at the leadership teams at all of these local station groups. I mean, you know, there's no you know, high energy young people at these things looking to figure out what's the OTT future, but yet mm -hmm. their business financially is a gajillion times better than ours. Right. You know, that that's peanut butter and jelly. So what is the OTT future? I believe that everybody gets Netflix or Amazon or Hulu for their dramas and their comedies. And everybody gets broadband from their cable company. And for the people that want to have a live package that has the kind of linear non-appointment viewing, news, sports, weather, HGTV, mm. they're going to get one of these packages that are in the market right now. I mean, look at Verizon's 5G thing. Verizon's rolling out 5G. They said, we're exiting uh, video, and we're going to throw in YouTube TV to every 5G subscriber. It sounds a lot to me like the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, sports certainly is the is the place where TV gets its most yes. most of its audience, especially live. Uh, you're talking about esports. Yes. Is that live? All right. So, so how does that work? So uh, to be the full suite, we needed business news, headline news, and sports news. Um, and we were faced with a challenge: you can't deal you with can't. any of these leagues, right? Correct. In fact, ESPN can't even put NFL highlights in the ESPN um, Snapchat right. thing, right? It's nuts. So I was like, well, this sounds like this sounds like worse than selling advertising, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to get involved in this. I have enough headaches already. And then I went to the Overwatch arena Activision Blizzard has in LA, and it was fast and it was loud and people were screaming and cheering. And I liked it more than I liked sports. And and my kids started playing Fortnite. And I was like, first of all, people overestimate in the United States how many people care about sports. It's really only 20 to 30% of Americans. That's really it, yeah, right? I, I personally, raising my hand, don't care. I know, I don't care. <laughs> And of the Alfred people, cares. and yeah. of the people there, but you know what? Let let Alfred get a full cable package. Like it doesn't <laughs> need to be for everybody. But the question is, how many people are like, 
also tastes are very substitutable. People want to substitute stuff, right? So I thought to myself, okay, so we don't have sports, but now my kid is going to grow up wanting to watch Ninja. My, that's all my son wants to watch, mm -hmm. right? And for those of you who don't know, Ninja's like the world's best video game player, the best Fortnite player, mm -hmm. right? Let's do Sports Center, but just for esports. Mm -hmm. And let's make our two hours a day of sports coverage only esports coverage. And that's what we're doing. Great. Sounds like a smart bet. Uh, John Steinberg, it was great to talk to you. Good to talk if to you, you too. Anything else you want to say? No, say I think we're good. We've exhausted ourselves. I'm exhausted. Okay. Thanks, Thank John. you. Thank you for having me. I want to thank John again for joining me today. John Steinberg is, of course, the founder of Cheddar TV. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of Ad Age, and you are listening to AdLib. Subscribe to us at iTunes. Give us all the stars. You can listen to us at Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever there are good podcasts. Just tell a friend. Today's episode was produced by Alfred Mascaroni. Come back next week. We have another very special guest just for you. <laughs>